into the lives of young people. And I was walking along the sidewalk, and I found a piece of paper. Whenever I'm walking across the grounds, I always try to pick up trash. And I saw this piece of paper, and I picked it up. And it's in writing that might be a kid's, it might be an adult's, I don't know. But I want to read it to you. It says, Lord Jesus, teach me to live a truly abundant life in witness to your amazing grace. It comes from God's heart to your heart by way of the cross of Jesus, your Savior. Take comfort in it, bask in it, and by all means, share it with those around you. Lord Jesus, you are with me always. You are with me whether I feel it or not. Teach me to trust you, this promise and more, each day. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thought that was pretty cool. So, anyway, I want to read something to you. Every uh, Thursday we have a men's Bible study and, and Charles Peterson brings in these men of integrity devotionals. And I always go through them and there's a, a couple of things that I want to read in here that I think apply specifically to where we're at as a church. The teaching we're going through on the four words, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And specifically the teaching today on giving of our time, how to do that. This is from a man named Francis Chan, and in a moment we're going to share a video from Francis, but he says, the call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is open to everyone, but we don't get to write our own job description. If Jesus Christ is Lord, then your life belongs to Him. He has a plan, an agenda, a calling for you. You don't get to tell Him what you'll be doing today or for the rest of your life. He gets to tell you. So, I want to share a video with you of Francis Chan illustrating the importance of taking steps of faith, growing as disciples, and really, uh, to correlate with the message this morning, giving of our time. So Jason, if you would run the video. much instability, so much that we don't understand, that, that we don't know. For me, growing up, it was, uh, a lot of you guys know, my mom died giving birth to me, and my dad remarried, then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine, then my dad got married again, then my dad died of cancer when I was 12, and so I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead, the only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my Uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do, you know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky, and things get a little unstable, and so we go, okay... That was nuts. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here and uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, 
this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because sun has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of, I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just... I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2% um, and uh, maybe serve, help the nursery because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life and then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it and then suddenly you wake up you stand before the judge and you go. Now, if uh, could you imagine? Could you imagine watching the Olympics? You know, and some girl does that. Just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes. What is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. I, I, that's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, wow, well done. Well done. You lived the safest life possible. You didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. You want to go with the majority or you want to go through the narrow gate the life of the disciple yeah you might fall off the balance beam occasionally you might have to take some risks engaging in the Christian walk of a disciple but then you will have something to stand before the judge with so in your bulletins, there is a handout. And it says, God's hands and feet. And this is an opportunity for us as a church to begin to, or continue, I should say, to develop our lives as servants of the Most High God. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. And so there's some areas in here that I would like each and every one of you to look at, to pray about, and to check off, to decide this is an area that I can give of my time in. Not because, as Val said, we're standing up here asking you to do it, but because the Holy Spirit of God is prompting you to do it. Because you have a calling upon your life. 
You have something that God wants you to give your time towards. Maybe you're not particularly talented in one of those areas. Sign up anyway. And if it doesn't work out, then you can sign up for something else. But here's the one thing that is undisputable. You need to be about the Father's business. Doing something. Standing up on that balance beam. Making motion. Becoming a disciple. So please, please prayerfully consider where you ought to be involved. Now, many of you are already involved. This is all too often the case on Sunday mornings as I'm preaching to the proverbial choir because everybody here is engaged in something, doing something for the Lord. And I want to uh, say that this is only a part of the broader scope of what we do for the Lord, and we'll talk about that this morning. This is a way through which you can serve the body of Christ and through the body of Christ, the larger community in which we live. So, prayerfully consider where you need to be involved. There's a lot of opportunities where you don't even have to be in the driver's seat. You can simply be there. A body willing and able. It was so amazing, church. I have to tell you, this week at VBS, the people who had come forth to volunteer, there were two people for every group. There were people leading every station with assistance. There were people covering every aspect of the VBS this week. And it was wonderful because they had all hands on deck. Everybody was there willing to serve, willing to be a part of what was happening. And as a result... It was a wonderful experience. So again, when that happens in the larger body of Christ, amazing things result. So, we're talking this week about the second word, giving, and it is of our time. Last week we talked about giving of our time, the why. And we saw in Ephesians chapter 5 that the reason we give of our time is because God wants us to be wise about our lives. Not foolish, but wise. He wants us to redeem the time because the days are evil. He wants us to make sure that the activity that we are engaged in is pulling light out of darkness because we do live in evil days. And finally, we saw that we give of our time because time is precious. James said, our lives are like a vapor. They are here and gone before we know it. And for those of us who have lost precious close friends or family, we know that that is exactly true. Life is short. Time is precious. And so we have to uh, be giving of our time in appropriate ways. So those are the whys. We're going to be talking about the hows of giving of our time this morning. And I want to talk a little bit about time in uh, its broader scope. Time is a commodity. How many of you understand Einstein's theory of relativity and general relativity? 
A few of you are raising your hands. Most of you have heard about it, and probably most of you understand, at least in basic terms, that what Einstein's theory suggests is that time is a physical uh, thing. It has physical properties. And the speed of light, what's t- how fast does the speed of light go? 186,000 miles per second. The speed of light, if we were to travel at the speed of light for two weeks out into the universe and then return two weeks later, we would have been gone one month. But on earth, decades would have passed because time can be bent. Time is physical. Time is something that we have been given. And there are different ways that we experience time. How many of you understand what subjective time is? You've all experienced it, even if you don't understand it. How many of you men, I'll just use this as an illustration because I've been there, done that. How many of you men have spent an afternoon shopping with your wives? Now, those four hours that you spent shopping with your wives, I can tell you absolutely were longer than the four hours you spent watching the Super Bowl. It's subjective time. It's, it's like when you were a kid, you know. Summer lasted forever when you were a kid. But like Jenny said, and, and it was so funny because I thought, I thought that exact same thing. I'm already worried about winter. I'm already thinking, it's going to be here too soon. That's subjective time. Then we experience linear time. Linear time is where events are joined together in our lives to create a larger whole. For example, beginning in 2008, Christy lost her mom. And then in 2010, my brother-in-law died unexpectedly. And then in 2012, both of my parents died. Sandwiched in between all of those losses, Christy was laid off from her job and I was laid off from my job. So 2008 to 2012 was linear in the respect that there were a series of events that encapsulated that period of time that were very difficult for us. And you've all experienced that as well. The Bible talks about dynamic time. In in Genesis chapter 1, God talks about the planets moving and the seasons coming and going. And that's really how we set our calendars by the, the movement of the moon and the sun. And that is called dynamic time. That's where we get our calendars. And from dynamic time, we get atomic time, where time is measured very specifically. So time has all of these different different properties that exist. And within those different properties, the Bible talks about two different kinds of time. First, it talks about chronos. It's the, the word from which we get our word chronological. But chronos is simply the measurement of time. We're going to spend approximately uh, an hour here this morning from 9.30 to 10.30. That's chronos. But the Bible also talks about kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And that's a different word for time. And what kairos is talking about is the quality or the nature of time. Not simply the measurement of it, but what is its quality. For example, the Bible talks about times of refreshing. 
and times of ignorance. It talks about the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord in the Bible is not talking about a specific 24-hour period, but it's talking about a time of judgment where God begins to judge the earth for its sin and its rejection of Christ. So time has all of these different aspects to it. And on top of that, there are some qualities of time that have absolutely been impacted and affected by the fall. In the beginning, it said God created the heavens and the earth. And God spent seven days creating. And at the end of those seven days, he said what about his creation? This is very good. That was before Adam and Eve sinned. And when Adam and Eve sinned, everything changed. Sin entered in not only to the human race, but also into the universe, the creation in which we live. That's why it says in Romans chapter 8 that the whole creation groans awaiting the revealing of the sons of God because the whole creation is looking forward to its redemption when God creates a new heavens and a new earth. So the fall impacted time. You know, I mentioned that the speed of light is currently measured at 186,000 miles per second which seems pretty fast, but there are studies that have shown that over the past 300 years, the speed of light has actually slowed down, which is exactly what you would expect with the fall, with the corruption of the physical nature of time. In fact, some physicists believe that the speed of light at some point could have been as much as one million times greater than it currently is. So how old is the universe? Some people will say it's 14 billion years old, but that depends on the speed of light, doesn't it? Because that's what they're measuring. And they're saying that the speed of light is a constant, 186,000 miles per second, unless, because of the fall and the corruption of time and the speed of light, all of that has changed. So we live in uh, a universe that is constricted by time, but time is impacted by sin. And so all the more reason why we're talking about giving of our time. And how do we do that? How do we give of our time? Well, I want to go to Philippians Chapter 1. You know, we all feel the, the constraints, don't we? There is so much to do. So many competing interests that are uh, vying for a piece of the pie, which is our day. How do we determine how to slice up our day in a way that is pleasing unto God? Well, in verses 9 and 10 in Philippians chapter 1, I think I can give you at least a part of that answer. It says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best 
and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So in these two verses, I'm going to give you three things that you can utilize in order to determine how to spend your time, how to give of your time to the work of the Lord. Because whatever you do, regardless of what you choose to do, let me just say this as, as, a, as a brief caveat. Whatever you choose to do, the Bible says this in, in Ephesians 6, 7. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So whatever you do, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the community, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your job site, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord. Take upon yourself that mantle of a servant so that whatever you do, even if you're missing the mark about what it ought to be that you're doing, that you're going to capture that spirit, that attitude that is given unto God. But here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, we see that the beginning point for how to give of our time is in abounding love. This is Paul's prayer, that your love may abound more and more. That's always the starting point for us, church. It's love. No matter what we do, our motivation has to be love. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, if I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, and if I give my body to be burned, and if I do all of these wonderful and amazing things and yet have not love, it profits me nothing. So love is the beginning point. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.14 that it is the love of Christ that constrains us or compels us. It's the love of God within us, the Holy Spirit who indwells us that moves us forward if we are walking properly. That word constrains in the Greek, it, it's literally a picture of a river. It's a word that, that is talking about a river. And the banks are constraining the river so that the river goes in a certain direction. Well, the banks are the love of Christ in our lives that direct us, that show us what we ought to do, how we ought to do it, and the motivation which undergirds all that we do. Our love must abound more and more. Everything else misses the mark if we do not start with love. So whatever you're doing today, let love be the covering over that activity. But then he says that he wants that love to abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Now, this is part of what we've talked about as we went through the first word, growing. That we have to, as Christians, grow in knowledge and depth of insight. We cannot be clinging to the balance beam. That's not what God wants for us. We have to get up. We have to take risks. We have to engage the Word of God so that we can learn what His will is for us. Remember we saw that last week in Ephesians 5? It says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How are you going to do that unless you are engaged in the process of growth? How are you going to know how to give of your time unless you are growing in the Lord's will and understanding what it is? How do we understand what the Lord's will is? We start with this word. 
and reading of this word. This word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is alive, the Bible says, dividing asunder the joints and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So we begin with the word of God, and we let God speak into our lives through his word. And as we apply his word to our lives, as we get up off of the beam and we begin to cautiously walk across it, we begin to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. Greg, don't move quite so fast there. Greg, I want you to take a jump. No flips this morning. Can you discern the Lord's voice in your life? How do you know that God is speaking to you? How, how do you know it's not just a guess? Because you can discern the voice of the Lord. You can understand what the will of God is. That is what God wants for each one of us. We are to be growing in knowledge and in depth of insight about God's will for our lives. And that involves Risk. It involves application of faith. It involves engagement. That's why I so strongly exhorted you to take that half sheet of paper and to fill it out. Because for some of us, the filling out of that paper is merely the getting up and the beginning to stand on the beam. For others of us, filling out that paper is beginning to move on the beam. For others, it's the jump. But we have to be growing in knowledge and depth of insight. In other words, we have to hear God's voice so that we know what to do. How to give of our time. Otherwise, you are at the mercy of the winds of the voices of this world. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So, start with love as your foundation. Growing in knowledge and depth of insight and the ability to understand God's will and to hear his voice. And then it says in verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. There is, as I said, a competition for our minutes, our hours, our days, our weeks. There are a lot of things that we do that are very good. But they're not what God wants us to do. We need to be able to discern what is best. Jesus had come into the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And they often received him and fed him. And of course, Jesus had a group of people that came with him whenever he arrived. And so there was a need that arose every time Jesus came into the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. People had to be fed. And Martha was busy doing that. She was in the kitchen. She was preparing the food while Jesus taught. And Mary was lying at Jesus' feet. Now, Martha came up to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? about all the work I'm doing? Can't you ask Mary to get up off of her rear end and get into the kitchen and help me? That's a good thing. What Martha was doing was a good thing. She was preparing food for people who were hungry. 
And yet, the word of Jesus to her says, Martha, Martha, you're concerned about so many things. But at this time, Mary has chosen the better. And it will not be taken away from her. There is a reality in our lives where we can be doing good things, but they are not what God has for us to do. They're not God's best. And that's what starting with love and growing in knowledge and depth of insight helps us to discern what is the best thing. You see, Jesus told his disciples, I always do those things that I see the Father doing. So Jesus wasn't listening to what Peter thought he should be doing. Jesus was not attending to what the leaders in Jerusalem expected of him, but he was looking for what the Father was doing. And he was responding to that. And likewise, we need to do the same. There at the Pool of Bethesda, Chris brought this out in one of his Pastor Enews a few weeks ago. It's a great point in John chapter 5. There were a multitude of sick and lame people lying around the pool of Bethesda awaiting someone to help them to get into the pool to be healed. And when Jesus walked into that area, he literally had to step around people and over people to get to the one man that the Father was working with. And to heal him. So, how do, how do we give of our time? We start with love. We grow in knowledge and depth of insight. And as we do that, we are able to discern the bad from the good from the best. And based upon that, we need to do three things. Three things. First, you need to establish priorities in your life. If you don't have an understanding of what the priorities are in your life, you're going to be cast about by every wind and wave of doctrine. Every voice that speaks to you, you're going to be wondering, should I do this? Should I not do that? You're not going to appreciate what God's priorities for you. Now, in a general sense, priorities begin with God and move from God to our families and move from our families to the church and from our church to the world at large. Now that said, that's not always how it works. Sometimes in order to serve God, we are ministering to the world. Sometimes we need to be doing things that are out of our comfort zone, out of our context, because God is directing us to do that. And that becomes our priority. So you have to have a sense of priority. Jesus' priority was to do what he saw the Father doing. Secondly, you need to maintain boundaries in your life. You need to maintain boundaries in your life. As I said, there were a lot of people that had expectations for Jesus, what he should be doing, what he ought to be doing. Ought is a terrible way to live. Don't live your life by saying, I ought to do this. Jesus didn't. Jesus did what the Father wanted him to do. And you need to sometimes set boundaries for yourself so that you don't get pulled away from 
from the best to perform the good. Boundaries are an okay thing, church. It's an okay thing to occasionally say no. So that you can say yes. So we need to establish priorities. We need to maintain boundaries. And then finally, we need to have perspective about how we give of our time. Perspective. Because here's the reality, ultimately. Ultimately, in our lives, we are eternal creatures. Right now, we're living in a time-space continuum. But ultimately, our dwelling place, our eternal dwelling place is with God. And so we have to be thinking about things in terms of eternity, in terms of what do my actions today say about my presence with God in eternity. Just like Francis Chan pointed out, there's going to come a a day for each of us where we are going to emerge out of the time-space continuum into the eternal realm and we're going to stand before a holy God in the judgment seat of Christ and we are going to have to give account of our lives. So what you are doing today, how you are living your life absolutely matters. How you are giving of your time is important because it has eternal ramifications. It's not just about today, church. It's about forever. Listen to this. Chapter 12 of the book Ecclesiastes. Of course, the writer of Ecclesiastes is going through all of the different human pursuits in order to find meaning and purpose. And after Engaging in each one, he says, vanity, vanity. It's all vanity, or in other words, empty. There's no meaning. There's no purpose to this. But finally, he arrives at this, and he says, now, all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, every hidden thing, whether good or evil. So giving of our time is very important. It's very important. Start with love. Grow in knowledge and depth of insight. Learn to discern the best from the good. Establish priorities. Maintain boundaries. And have an eternal perspective. This will help you to determine how to give of your time unto the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for each and every one of us here this morning because I know, I absolutely know that everyone who is hearing my voice today struggles with this. I know I do. Because sometimes there's, Lord, those voices, it's it's sort of echo in our brains Oh, you're just taking care of a little kid. How, how is that spiritual? Or, or you're bagging groceries or whatever. Whatever it is we're doing. And, and those voices begin to tell us that everything doesn't matter when in fact everything does matter. 
and that we need to give our time over to you as servants of God. Help us, Lord, to begin to understand how we might do that better. Not based upon the voices of those around us, the words of the world, but help us to hear your voice, Lord. Help us to grow in understanding of your plan and purpose for each one of us because we are disciples. Everyone here this morning, Lord, I believe, desires to live the life of a disciple. And so our schedules are no longer our own. You get to choose what our lives look like. All we have to do is respond to your planner. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alicia, if you would.